That's nice for you, but is it good? I don't know. Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 188 for the week of March 27th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. In this episode, we'll be talking about five more entries from this year's first semifinal with our special guest, Ned Raggett. Hey, Ned. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Yes, great to be back once more. So how has your Eurovision 2023 been so far? It's been good. I've had a little more chance than I have had in previous years to catch up with a little more stuff prior to this point. Not as much as I could be, but uh, I did have a chance to actually sit down and experience what a San Remo night is like. And wow, that's long. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be on the West Coast for that. It's one of those things like, oh, here I can just sort of relax and it sort of unfolds and I can doze and it's all fine, you know, and I'm like, boy, congratulations to everybody. I, I don't have that energy anymore and stay up quite so late. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the people in Europe are able to watch every night of it. Yeah. Just like, that is that is dedication. <laughs> yeah, because like it exhausts me and it ends at like 8 p.m. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is a full time. But hey, they put on a show and Depeche Mode showed up out of nowhere to do their first live appearance <laughs> for, for this cycle and everything. Thank you for this gift. Yes, you do get rewarded for your patience. It just sometimes takes a while to get there. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. First up is Serbia. Luka Ivanovic, better known as Luke Black, is a Serbian singer-songwriter and the first Serbian musician to be signed by Universal Music Group. He released his debut single, Nebula Lullaby, in 2014, with his first EP following in 2015. In 2016, Luke's single, Demons, was on the shortlist to represent Serbia at Eurovision. Semo Sispava, which translates to I Just Want to Sleep, relatable content, uh, was written by Luke Black in 2020, but it was Konstratka's Incorpore Sano finishing in fifth place last year that inspired him to produce and submit the song to Serbia's Pesma za Eurovisiu process. At that contest, Luke finished second with both the jury and the televote, but that earned him enough points to win the ticket to Liverpool. Serbia will perform third in the running order between Malta and Latvia. So, Ned, what do you think of Samo Misispava? I just want to begin by delving into our dude's name here, Luke Black, his, his chosen performing name. There's a wonderful comment that the musician John Darnielle from uh, The Mountain Goats made years back, and uh, he basically was talking about in another musical context, uh, appreciating what he called the early 20s phase of uh, when you have the right view of things, the dumb blowtorch of youth phase, which is a beautiful term (laughs) I have have filed away for for many uses. It is applicable here because if Wikipedia is to be believed, as always, who can say, the reason why he's named Luke Black is that he chose the name Black as his last name from when he as a teenager expressed 40 days of mourning for the death of the Serbian music scene. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is over the top. That is perfect. I salute you. Well done. <laughs> it, it, yeah, like it just feels like properly dramatic for Serbia, though. I feel like they can be a little bit dramatic with their pop music. Absolutely. So they have, they have earned it. He lives currently in Liverpool as a graphic designer for a record label. It's like it's a hometown crowd. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm kind of loving this. He just has to walk over to the venue. I'm like, sure. Or, you know, whatever. So anyway, as, as for this song, 
I, I appreciate that Constructa, you know, inspired him. Good. Constructa should inspire a lot of people. It was absolutely one of the best entries of last year. Its success is wonderful. Fantastic. This is obviously not that. What it is, I'm still unpacking, <laughs> is the best way to put it. It is something that worked for me a little better on, let's say, second listen and viewing. And I get what he's trying to do. And it's interesting, I guess. <laughs> Allegedly, this is an older song that he wrote about being isolated and playing video games right when COVID hit three years ago now. There's your relatable content indeed, which I think a lot of people were doing when we were not either watching Tiger King or baking sourdough bread. And so he's inspired to put this in here, which is one of those things that because we get a little more context to the song, it kind of explains some of the imagery. Oh, no wonder you've got your, you know, anime warlord thing going on there. It's sort of that was your character. That's the game over bit, et cetera, et cetera. It started off as one thing that I'm glad it didn't continue as, namely Sad Boy Piano, because it was going to be a whole song of that. I'd be like, like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we've already no, had that. No. <laughs> and there's too much of that already. And there will be other episodes where you talk about that. This year is like another one. You know, this is it, it's helping winnow wheat and chaff already. Having said that, when it ramps up into what I wrote here as a, a polite, angry throb, I do like the high looping hook of the song. I'd say it's kind of like a weirdly cleaned up Gerard Way thing he's kind of sort of got going, but I was trying to point it to somebody more recent in terms of what he's trying to do because that's a reference point that's a couple decades old, and so it's sort of like, yeah, I'm, I can't quite put my finger on who you're trying to be. I'm giving a guess, but I'm not too sure. So that was the song. Now the staging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have questions about the staging. First, what is he lying on? Is that a flower petal? <laughs> is that a splash of water frozen in time? Is it a Bond villain lair bed? What is that? <laughs> As I mentioned, okay, the anime robot things in the background in this graphics, fine. The the dancers in all the gear, I get it. Everybody doing a crab core dance at a certain point, I don't get. <laughs> I don't want to get that. That does not need to come back. It's not bad. And basically, the way I summed up what this song is all about an amusing enough combination of threat and twink. And that's exactly what this is. <laughs> ben, was that the same conclusion that you reached? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, but I, I deeply appreciate the journey we just took to get there. <laughs> I'm digging the whole industrial pop thing that's going on with this. Like, like I do like that polite throb as we just described it. There was a, an interview with him in the Pop Justice newsletter this week. It kind of helped illuminate some stuff for me because I didn't understand like how much he and Constracta sort of knew each other before this. It was also talking about things like the promo photo of him using like the lobster as a phone. Where I'm like, oh, that is sort of like a surrealistic nod. And like maybe that's what's going on with that splash of a platform he's on at the start of this. Comparing Constracta to, to this helps connect it, but also it makes me just want to listen to Constracta more because like she was able to communicate so much purely in Serbian with imagery. And this feels like it's really spelling out its metaphors. Is it actually trying to say something or is it sort of like we talked about last week with Justin, just sort of like first year of art school? I think that's kind of where I'm at. Like the, the storytelling of this does feel very 2020, like subject matter and I think mm-hmm. how it's being presented. I, I think the production does modernize it a little bit, but yeah, especially compared to last year, I mean, that that is a very tough act to follow. So I think everybody mm-hmm. would have been kind of in the shadow of, of that entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also really hope the staging doesn't get in the way of this. I'm not loving that this is in the three spot. Too early for it. Yeah, agreed. The only hope that I have with that placement is like with Finland closing the show, like when they go through the recaps, it'll be like, oh, right, this one earlier on is like kind of the same sort of vibe. Maybe like there's Mm -hmm. crab walk in there as well. I don't know, but (laughs) I think this will qualify because it's interesting enough and I think it's going to hold people's attention enough, but I don't think it's going to do as well in the grand final. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. The combo of Malta, this, then Latvia is a very interesting trio of things. Mm-hmm. Especially after the uh, the introduction we get from Norway kicking it all off. It's sort of like, okay, this is a swerve. That is interesting to note that they they and Constructa have at least some kind of mutual appreciation society going on. But yeah, no, and Constructa is sort of like, oh, we have next leveled here. And what an amazing hook. I mean, those flat claps alone are just kind of astounding. You know, it's sort of like, ah, well done. This is like... This is good, but it's not distinct. 
And that's very important. And it's also interesting placement just because like we were talking about kind of the sleepy nature of Latvia's entry. So it's just, okay, this Mm. song about wanting to go to sleep. And then we go to a song that wants to go to sleep. (laughs) Mm. That that was a choice for the middle of the lineup. I see what you're doing there, producers. see you. Uh, So yeah, first half of the semifinals, uh, a bit dodgy, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. mm -hmm. I was thinking that, yeah. So next up, Marisa Mena, aka Mimi Cat, is a pop soul singer and composer representing Portugal with the song I Coração. Marisa's music career began early when, at the age of nine, she became a fado singer and recorded her first album. Marisa's first album is Mimi Cat, dropped in 2014, and her third album is expected later this year. At the Festival de Cansal final, Mimi Cat tied for first with the jury and won the televote, receiving almost 20% of the public's vote to guarantee her ticket to Liverpool. Last year, Maro's Sadade Sadade finished in ninth place. I Coração is written by Marisa Mena and Luis Pereira. Portugal will be in slot five in the semi, separating the bands from Latvia and Ireland. So Ned... How do you feel about this one? When I was giving this a review again yesterday, the key thing I wrote was, it's not bad, but I don't know. <laughs> and that's, it's, I, fa- I found myself strangely neutral about it, not completely down on it. The thing that leaps out at me is that it's trying to do, to my mind, and this shows you the level of the depth of my knowledge about traditional Portuguese music, which is not very much at all. So keep that in mind. But is she trying to do something that is more or less something that fits in, whether it's Fado or, or something else in terms of traditional uh, or older styles of Portuguese music? Or is it something that's kind of referencing something else? I, weirdly enough, got a vague turbo-punky feeling for, like, you know, something almost Balkansy, <laughs> something uh, from this, which was not what I expected. I'm not saying it can't be done. I mean, people mix and match styles all the time. She's got a nice voice. The arrangements... Perfectly fine. The acoustic break, I rather enjoyed. Uh, that comes when everything strips down a bit, you know, further along in the song. And it's all very well done. And it certainly fits in with a, not a tradition at this point, um, but uh, the fact that uh, Portugal is willing to bet the house a bit on something that's sort of like, yeah, why can't we do something like this? You know, why can't something that's a little more in line, uh, that's a throwback feeling of some form or another come in? And it has a little energy. I don't know if the staging helped at all is the thing. It didn't hurt, but at the same time, if you had put this on like cruddier videotape quality and said, uh, this is a lost performance from a random Portuguese variety program in the late 1970s, I'd be like, oh, sure. <laughs> and that's both good and bad because I'm sort of like going like, eh, eh. you know, I'm not expecting fireworks. The dancers were doing a lot of the heavy lifting dynamically. She was just gesturing here and there, which is fine. She's the singer. They're the ones providing a lot more activity. Totally cool. Charismatic enough? I just don't know where it'll land ultimately is where it is. It's hard for me to say this song stands out even though it's trying to stand out in many different ways, weirdly enough. It is in Portuguese. It is not certainly not in English. It is trying to call back to something more specific. It is trying to argue for what it is. This is a lovely exercise. I just don't know if it's a good entry. That may be where I, where I stand on it. I think that we should be using the term ethnobanger for this song because I feel like it checks a Fair. lot of those boxes. Uh-huh. Where yeah. Right, right. yeah, where it's like drawing on that country's music traditions. It's in the country's native language. I think if this were a Balkan entry, we would absolutely be calling this an ethnobanger. So mm-hmm. like try, mm-hmm. trying to like make it less Orientalist and using that yeah. term. Yeah, yes. I, I fully agree with your thesis statement here. Yeah. <laughs> I love this as a song, as an entry. And like Portugal was really spoiled for choice this year. Festival de Cansao was such a satisfying watch. Highly recommend going back and watching that if, if you have the time to do that. I think the variety show analogy is a really good one here because like I, I think it does have that kind of energy and fun and it's a bit disposable, but it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I watched that. Like, I, I, I don't think this is going mm-hmm. to win. I, I think when we initially talked about it, I described it as being a palate cleanser. And I think it's 
position in the running order is perfect for that. Like this is going to be such a sharp contrast to these two sleepier entries that are leading into it. This is going to stand out in between Latvia and Ireland. I'm very excited about this one. And I think it's just going to be a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, for my end, this one is growing on me every time I listen to it. I deeply agree with your thesis statement that we should also be calling this an ethno banger because I'm <laughs> deeply enjoying whatever traditional kick that the Iberian Peninsula as a whole appears to be on this year. They're really tapping into traditional music and doing interesting things with it. But on the other hand, I just don't know where this is going to sit with a televote. Because like, again, it could just be like a breath of fresh air between what we have from Latvia and what we have from Ireland. On the other hand, it could just be like a beautiful sorbet that once you're done with it, it's done. Thank you for clarifying it as like 70s variety performance. There's something that feels like weirdly Broadway or like a review about this, where this is neatly composed as a three minute thing. The 70s variety show and also the type of number from a nominated musical that gets featured on the Tony Awards. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. This are like, what represents this musical? Here's a good song to represent this musical. <laughs> so. Yes. One of the things that popped up in my YouTube suggestions this week was somebody who had ordered the songs by how many times and how long their title is sung in the songs. And this came in first because it both says it a lot and when it does, says it over a longer period of time. I mean, you'll certainly know how to pronounce the title by the time you watch the song. <laughs> Things like that over. It's like, oh, okay, this is how you say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I keep catching myself saying Curacao instead of Coruscant. Like it, yeah. it's such a subtle difference. But it's like, no, those are two different things. <laughs> one is triple yeah. sack. One is your heart. So <laughs> <laughs> Value the one over the other. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Which one? That's a surprise. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not making I'm not making you choose. Next up is Azerbaijan with Tell Me More. Terrell and Tehran Bagmanov are twin brothers currently residing in Baku. They first explored music as children, secretly practicing on a piano before their father bought them a synthesizer. They credit music from the 60s and 70s as major influence to their sound. Along with performing as street musicians and magicians, Tural is a founding member of the group The Red Jungle. Azerbaijan qualified for last year's final despite receiving zero televote points in the semi. Nadir Rastamli's Fade to Black managed to reach 16th place overall. Tell Me More was selected internally and is written by Nahad Aliyev, Tunar Tagiev, Tural Bagmanov, and Turan Bagmanov. Azerbaijan has been assigned slot 12 between Sweden and Czechia. Ben, the last time you had about maybe 15 minutes to digest it before we spoke about it. So has your mood changed? I mean, I've had more time to digest it, but great question. Um, The main note I have at the top of my notes about this song is that the intro just makes this song the voicemail from hell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will give Azerbaijan credit. As far as a choice goes, I want to applaud them for picking something that feels like a song that organically goes with this band as opposed to their normal method of picking a song from one bingo cage and picking an artist from another bingo cage and slamming them together until it works. The more I sit with this one, uh, I had to pull up pronunciation notes for what song it reminded me of, because mm. it feels just like a weird mid-90s take on Prison Colin Anson and Choose All, in that it has the general mm. shape of a sort of song, but then the more I focus on the lyrics, the more I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the second that you said that they have experience performing as street musicians, like, that's the energy. Close-up mm-hmm. magic. Yep. Close-up <laughs> magic energy. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, so Ben doesn't like being tricked. Ned, what do you think of this one? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll preface something that says my, you know, I, I want to uh, say that these guys have been through a lot in their lives, because not only did their father die when they were young, they had two brothers. They died in a tragic auto accident some years ago. So it's like, these two dudes have been through a lot already in their lives. That's heavy tragedy. Wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I just want to make that clear. I, I hope you guys have gotten through that and have yourselves a good, long, and happy life. That said, this song. 
since it was an internal selection, I already have a problem with not knowing what the exact staging is going to be. I have thoughts and fears about what it might be, but let's set that aside. The first things I wrote when I was getting the song like a closer listen were Brooklyn Hipsters, Polite 2000s era white boys sort of rap, and then finally, I think the most damning thing I could say, it should be soundtracking a scene from a Dave Eggers novel. <laughs> you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> At least if you're me <laughs> or a listener like me. The other term I use is it is aggressively pleasant. Mm-hmm. It is exactly what it is. I The shapelessness has been noted. It's this, and then it becomes this, and then it turns into this. It's sort of like, okay, you've hit your marks. And the fact that it's a co-write between the band and two other people, maybe they brought in the other elements. I don't know. The fact that the video itself didn't quite seem to know what it was either. It was sort of like, we're this. I mean, it sort of is the idea of it's like, oh, I've written up a song as I'm going along. I share with my busking friends. Now we're at a show. I kind of get it, but it also had the feeling of, okay, let's weld this part onto this part, and then we'll just do this over here. When the guitar solos kicked in, it's sort of like, this is one of those guitar solos that aren't that loud, it's just loud enough. And I get that. (laughs) That's an approach. That is an actual aesthetic. It does attempt to pack in a lot over the short run of the song. Eh, Ambition. We're not talking Bohemian Rhapsody here, but, um, you know, it's, I guess it's trying. It seems like there's a song like this and a performance like this that for the past few years has been floating around Eastern Europe. It lands in one country one year. And then it lands in another country another year. Now it's landed over here. They all seem to have the idea of it's like, I am the well-meaning person in my room or in my lovely little city, and I have my sweet little song. And it's like, that's that's nice for you, but is it good? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of where I sit with it. It's one of those things sort of like, thank you, I think, is, yeah. just, is how I can sum it up here. <laughs> so when we first talked about this, I said that it kind of carbon dated to July 1998. Like, and mm-hmm, for me, mm-hmm. like that is right when I was in high school. So this is kind of pulling on those threads for me. So I think I'm approaching it a little bit more positively or more accepting of it. This is going to be very specific for people who are from the Detroit area <laughs> or Buffalo, like Canadian border towns, but this feels very Canadian and like Canadian content. And with the, like, it, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I could see this be these guys opening for those Steal My Sunshine dudes easily. That <laughs> was actually yeah. in my notes. Like, this is, okay. a, this is exactly like Steal My Sunshine, where it's yeah. like, yeah, that song's like a real bop, but it's just so hyper Canadian in a very pleasant, inoffensive way. There are two prominent Canadian radio stations that you can get in the Detroit area. One is 89X, which is like the new rock alternative. And then 93.9, which usually has names like The River, The Breeze, (laughs) something like that, where it's kind of a little bit more on the adult contemporary side. And I think this song would play on both of them because it would satisfy Canadian content minimum daily allotment rules. And (laughs) I think the song is fine enough. I... It it just feels a little weird to be coming from Azerbaijan, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. Expecting it to be a little bit more bombastic. But then thinking about it a little bit more, it's like, oh, it's, it's a little prom-like. And I think that's maybe like my high school brain kind of kicking in. Mm. It's like, yeah, I could see this playing at prom, which is the exact same thought that I had about Running Scared in 2011. I don't think it's going to be as fortunate as Running Scared to win the whole thing, but I think it could be tapping into – a nostalgia or I don't know what, but I think it's going to do better than we're expecting. I don't know if it's necessarily enough to get into ninth or 10th place, but it's very much on the bubble for me. The 90s song reference that I've been sticking next to this in my head is Sixpence None the Richers' Kiss Me. Yep. Mm, Just because of the the guitar tone. Thinking about northern Midwest radio stations, this would probably slot in on Cities 97 in the Twin Cities. It it would hit sort of that that 90s part of the 80s, 90s and today sort of a deal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking at the running order, I'm wondering if this is after Sweden because this is very easy to picture as just being the two of them with some guitars on stage and goodness knows what Lorene is going to bring. Right. right, right. I saw someone on Twitter alleging that the running order was also sticking it to the countries that were implicated in last year's jury scandal. The yeah. only one that I think was most 
directly impacted by that, if that were true, is Azerbaijan. I think whoever was going to be behind Sweden, that's a punishment. So. Yeah, yeah, that is a punishment Absolutely. slot. Offered up as fresh meat, shall we say, <laughs> coming after coming after Lorene there. So uh, yeah, I I can easily buy this conspiracy theory. The framing of it as you know Azerbaijani CanCon, which almost works as a wonderful weird description genre description for something from I don't know Cowboy Bebop or something like that. So it's sort of like you know, of course that would exist. So. I'm now just picturing this like soundtracking a heritage minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could happen so i smell toast Next is Czechia, who are sending Vesna with My Sister's Crown. Vesna is a six-member band that formed in 2016. Although they are classified as folk, their music ignores genre and instead focuses on celebrating femininity and Slavic sisterhood. Vesna released their first studio album in 2018, which led to them winning Discovery of the Year at the Cheney Andal Awards. Vesna competed at ESCZ, where they dominated all voting, finishing more than 6,300 points ahead of second place. My Sister's Crown is written by Katrin Vatchenko, Patrici Fuzova, Tania Yankova, and Production Lovers. This will be the first time the delegation has performed under the name Czechia at the contest. The final Czech Republic entry, Lights Off by We Are Domi, opened last year's grand final and finished in 22nd place. Czechia will perform in slot 13 after Azerbaijan and before the Netherlands. Where is the Tatiana Maslany fan cam that this is going to soundtrack? I keep thinking of Orphan Black. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is just like a biography of all the characters on that show. And I kind of want to do a rewatch. I appreciate that this song has some separation in the running order from Croatia, Switzerland, and really is serving as a reminder of why the contest is in the United Kingdom and not in Ukraine this year. I really like the track, and I'm hoping that it pops off in the arena. Like, I think the performance at ESCZ was great for the really small stage that they were working with. There's a lot of potential here for them to do a lot of different things that could be a danger in that I think the video is trying to do a lot of different things and the message gets a little muddy. But if there's a focus on the story that they're trying to tell in the staging, I think this could do extremely well. I'm thinking it could possibly do top five if... All of their ducks are in a row. I don't think it's going to have a problem with the televote and getting out of the semifinal. I think mm-hmm. juries are really going to go for this one, and that's going to make a big difference at the grand final. Yeah, I essentially echo that. It's one of those ones I liked it from the get-go, but re-listening and getting into it more, there is a lot more going on here. And delving more into the history of the band, too. This is one of those acts that's been doing it for a little while now, and they keep doing stuff on a regular basis, so they didn't just come out of nowhere. What I especially liked from the selection program was that interview. They have a good vibe and they know what they're doing, and they conveyed that pretty well, which, especially since they were doing it in English, even better. So, you know, that's a that's a, that's a sign right there. I This is definitely an ethno-banger, straight out. It mm-hmm. is an everything ethno-banger, even better. I did include the one bit where it said, you always got to have some sort of polite Euro rap. It is the 21st century. It is there, of course. And uh, I don't know if they themselves are dancers or not, but their synced moves in that performance, I thought were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so are like, okay, that's going to stand out. And you're right there, Mike, uh, figuring out what they will choose to bring to a bigger performance on a bigger stage. That crossed my mind, too. There is absolute potential there, which I think they can fulfill. If they choose to bring in elements of what was in the video, which was a delight, then uh, that really could work very well. I even like something as simple as the official sleeve art for the single, mm-hmm. which is all them and the regrets from the videos and striking these slightly silly, maybe slightly creepy smiles, but it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked very well. They approach what they're doing from joy, and they do it in a way that is also still very knowing and not meant to be giddy. We're not talking about the the wonderful golden retriever energy of uh, Sam from the UK last year. That's a different sort of happiness. <laughs> so this one is more sort of like, uh, we know we're good and we know what we can do. And that is done very, very well. 
they feel to a strong degree, and I think your your mention about this uh, being a potential top five is very much kind of like this year's constructa to to a very particular degree. Not uniquely, they're not they're not ripping them off. They're just doing their own thing. But it's sort of like, yeah, this this gets a good art vote from me. I think it'll sail through easy and uh, place very well. I also feel like this has really strong potential. I love the vocal harmony on this and mm. the way that it feels like it is sort of marrying traditional folk with kind of the same vibe that Daughters of Reykjavik had in the Icelandic selection last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like the aesthetic of the video, but I want them to think about how they're going to stage this because they are attempting a high degree of difficulty of having six vocalists on stage. I loved that Daughters of Reykjavik performance, but you were following everybody around. It was very chaotic. Generally, groups of six vocalists on stage at Eurovision, that's always a challenge with the staging. Are they all soloists? How do we stage this in a way where everybody gets stage time and we're not just like whipping the camera around everywhere? It really feels like if they get their ducks in a row, I agree that this is something that could be a jury favorite and really match the vibe of what the theme of the contest is this year. I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the ESCZ process this year is we do have a sense of that they can be six vocalists on stage and not mm-hmm. be like the D-Mall problem. I think that was oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like when I, we first I, identified I, yeah, I it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody wants to be the lead singer. No, no. Everybody has a role and they're mm-hmm. doing their role very well. I'm excited to see what the final product of this one is going to be because I think, I think it's going to pop off. Our last entry for today is Finland's Cha 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 by Karia. Jere Pohunen, who performs under the name Karia, is a Finnish rapper, singer, and songwriter. An independent artist until 2017, Karia released his first studio EP in 2018 and his first studio album Fantastista in 2020. He competed in Finland's UMK and completely crushed the scoreboard, earning 61% of all available points in the seven-act field. Cha 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 reached number one on the Finnish singles list and is starting to chart 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 in other countries. <laughs> Last year's Finnish entry Jezebel by the Rasmus finished in 21st place, winning a tiebreak with Czechia. Cha 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 is written by Alexi Nurmi, Jere Pohunen, and Johannes Naukarinen and will be closing out the first semifinal. Who wants to talk about this first? I have a feeling we all have thoughts. <laughs> Ned, why don't you go first? Where to begin? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, up until this point, of the tracks I had heard in the various competitions, my standout had been Croatia, just because it's sort of like, oh, well, and I I do deeply love it and all that. And then the, the day the, the finish final hit, and all of a sudden, notifications, people going, ah, and I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> and I saw that clip of the performance, and I'm like, I have my winner, and nothing has changed since. <laughs> this is my hands down, yes, thank you, just escape to the top. Of all the times I've been doing this on, on, on my guest appearances for the past few years, this is the one I'm like, I hands down, this is my choice. I'm going to throw a bit of music critic history at you because that's who I am and that's what I do. Because I think it feeds into this. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I do not believe or expect that Korea is necessarily using these reference points I'm about to talk about. He's a a younger artist. There are other things he might be referring or putting to. Let's put this in mind. I'm not claiming like, here is the secret formula. This is merely what I, being my age and my experience, what I reference this to and why it works. So this is the best of big, dumb songs. Thank God. This is the type of thing that when UK glam rock was a thing, big, dumb choruses in the best possible way. We're talking about like the early 70s, of course, something like, you know, Sweet, Slade, massive acts like that. Basically, it starts, and the first thing I thought it was like, oh my God, DAF. Now, the German equivalent to what you can call New Wave, and this is kind of a sort of translation of it, but not totally true, and I'm absolutely going to totally mispronounce this. They're essentially the equivalent of New Wave in the late 70s into the early 80s was called 
NDW, but in the original German is uh, something Neue Deutsche Welle or something like that. Again, if I've gotten that wrong, my deep apologies. The point of it is, is that's basically when, again, 70s into 80s and a whole bunch of new racks coming up and some are more punky and some are more electronic. Remember, oh my craft work, you know, things like this were really starting to gel and everyone realizing, oh my God, these guys are inventing the future. But then you have racks going like, well, we want to do our own thing. DAF, who had been around for a couple of years before 881 and already released a couple of more just random noise experiment singles stripped down to a two-person lineup and basically created the modern version of what we would call industrial dance music. It really all begins right there pounding drums and sternly said words. They actually broke out with a notable subcultural hit in Germany, which I think actually you know, notably charted, called Der Mussolini, as in the mocking the idea of you dance Der Mussolini and then all these other references. It is it is very knowing and is certainly not a celebration. The point is, where you have this image of hard-edged music with sort of like nothing that seems to be but bass and drums and it's all very pounding and sort of militaristic, but you can dance to it. That's kind of where it starts. So that's one of my reference points. Another reference point I was thinking of was the the band Sisters of Mercy in the UK, who in the late 80s, as my friend and a fellow writer and editor of mine over at The Quietest, John Doran said in a recent podcast for The Quietest, was talking about the end point of goth, where Jim Steinman was brought in by Andrew Eldridge of the Sisters of Mercy, the sisters having essentially helped formulate what the idea of what goth rock is supposed to be, with the song This Corrosion scores yes. a massive hit. <laughs> I, I thought that's where this was heading. <laughs> you're right. You're right to the thing where it was heading, because the idea of This Corrosion is, speaking of the glam connections, this is a big, dumb glam song. It is Andrew Eldridge knowingly writing a big, dumb a glam song, getting Jim Steinman, the guy who worked with Meatloaf for Bad Out of Hell, to come in and create these huge orchestrations and have big, dumb hooks. And I'm when I'm saying big and dumb, this is not me complaining about it. This is me loving it. Finally, I'm going to throw in that the other thing that leaps to me as a reference point is Korea's tattoo. That sort of like, you know, square thing. That tattoo made me think of famous underground Selenian art industrial art collective Leibach, who yes. are essentially <laughs> the slightly older siblings to Let Three over in Croatia. In fact, Let Three, frankly, reminded me when I saw that entry. I was going like, oh, uh, Leibach, if they were flamboyantly bearish and gay. Great. <laughs> so it, was, it has that vibe to me. The main guy's delivery is very sort of gruff and, and things like that. Well, there is a bit of that, and I wonder about that, but the thing that really leaps out at me is sort of like the vibe of what Korea's going for. It's like, oh, this makes me think of Rammstein. Yep. <laughs> the, yep. Very Rammstein. That's what he's doing right here. Duhast, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. It's sort of like, okay. Because Rammstein are, of course, a wonderful end point of a lot of this. They're a German band. They are an industrial rock band. They're drawing on Depeche. They're drawing on Leibach. They're drawing on DAF easily. And they helped really popularize this even more so. They're still going. They just did a massive tour of America last year. And, of course, they're huge in Europe. So you feed all that into this, and you feed all the other things that Korea's got going into this. It's not just that. And from the beginning, what a genius song. <laughs> what a genius performance of a genius song. And the thing about the song is I first listened to the song. I didn't watch the video because it's one of those things like, okay, let me take in the song as it is. And what you get first is that brilliant combination of, okay, here's the guy with sort of like, so hook it kits in Finnish. I don't know Finnish, but I'm like, okay. That incredibly insane, perfect synth hook. It's like, ah, good. <laughs> you know, it's not a synth trying to be another instrument. It's just an annoying, in the best way, synth hook. It's immediate and it's there. It builds and builds and builds. You hit the first chorus. And when that first chorus hit, it was like going, ah, Oh, my God, that is a big, dumb hook in the best possible way. My God, you cannot get better than that. And then he repeats the verse, goes in, it builds up. Again, the construction of it is just right, tension and release. And then it hits the major key and it shifts. And I'm like, what? You genius! <laughs> you, you do go with a bright pop hook. What a good move. And I just was sort of like that. I did not expect. It absolutely works. And then it keeps building back in. We hit back to the chorus right at the end. And then I was like, okay, all right. This is fantastic. Now let me see what the performance was like. And then I saw the performance. And my jaw dropped further. <laughs> because I was like, oh, okay, you look amazing. This is one hell of an outfit. Once I realized that the earlier video was meant to be a sort of like a pro wrestling thing, I'm like, okay, get a vibe of it. But, of course, then I am watching this thing's going like, okay, I got the staging. And then the dancers appeared. And those rictus grins. 
on those cha-cha dancers is perfect. <laughs> it's sort of like they're, they're here to have fun. They also look like they're insane and are about to kill me. Good. <laughs> Good. This is, that is sort of like this, this pure mania of what's going on. And then it built from there. The human centipede moment. The little back and forth. Is that a folk dance? Is that a reference to something? I don't know what's going on. Whatever you're doing, I don't even know how it all builds up. It just, it, I, I was floored. And then I found out what the song was actually about. <laughs> A guy at the end of his work week who's a little shy, sort of hiding back, a bit of a wallflower, but wanting to get wine up so he can finally just go and have fun on the dance floor after getting a little drunk. And I'm like, you, you, you smart man, you cryah. You basically advanced the argument for basically, hello out there, incels, sad people of the world. Come out, <laughs> enjoy some social libricity. If it takes a drink, which is they're asking for, I realize not everyone might do that. Get the slash and go out and have fun. And even though it's a kind of yee mania going on there, it's more sort of like, yeah, because the Finns party come out and have fun. <laughs> come out and do this. And when I realized what was going on, I was like, you, you have sold me. You have sold me in every step of the way. You hold me all the way down the line. And from the original video to the performance video and them talking about how they're going to reinvent it again, do something different again for the staging. It's so like, this is, they know what they're doing. They're hitting every step of the way. When it was announced as the closing of the performance. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, oh, okay. They know what they're doing. I don't care how much they weighted the scales. This is going to skate through. This is going to get top five. Easily, this will win, in my opinion. I can already feel the arena reverberating from the, from the cheers of it and everyone going along. Something that big, something that's just, this is a no-brainer. It is Finland's to lose. I'm sorry. This is, for them, the same way that Lordy geniusly made their version of heavy metal and turned it into a huge anthem that took over everything. It's that same big dumb hook level in the same best possible way. Finland has had a generation since Lordy. It's about to claim it again. There. Done. I have nothing more to add. This is this. this <laughs> that That is it. <laughs> Excellent. Ben, counterpoint? Uh. (laughs) This is going to be less of a point counterpoint and more of just point point because I feel like I'm going to hit a lot of the same notes. Although I'm not going to approach it from a 70s rock standpoint. I'm going to approach it from a food standpoint because that's where my brain lives. All right. On your tongue, you have different taste receptors for like sweet, sour, things like that. The cool thing about capsaicin is that it essentially is a skeleton key. The reason that hot food affects you the way that it does is because it can just jam in there and, like, unlock that. And, like, this has just sort of hit all of the pleasure centers in my brain. Just, like, what if Hatari, but also Cascada, at the same time? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I say Cascada, I mean that every time we touch Cascada, not the Eurovision entry Cascada, apologies to Glorious. I feel like the the episode before this one dropped, I had been like, you know, nothing has really grabbed me the way a song usually grabs me during Eurovision season. And then UMK happened and I had like three different things where I'm like, this is great. Finland's doing a great job. Love them. I have purchased multiple Karia t-shirts at this point. The official merch is very good. Like, it's crazy. It's party. I'm ready to go. Thank God they don't have the platform boots in my size because I do not need to be wearing two-inch platform boots. <laughs> What do you mean you don't? <laughs> I'm already tall enough. I'm the worst person at a concert because I get there early and I have the nerve to be tall. Atari is a very good comparison for this just in terms mm. of the level of media I have consumed around the performance. Finland just is super excited about their entry in a way that I don't think we've seen them be excited about an entry since Lordy. Mm-hmm. One of the Sunday magazines did a Karia-themed Swiss roll cake. Because it turns out that, well, like, as a word nerd, the the Finnish word for Swiss roll cake isn't that far off from Karia. There's a sculpture in Helsinki that's three smiths working on anvils, where one of them now has a bolero. <laughs> and it's just, the other thing that really feels like Hatari to me is the level to which children love Karia. There's just, like, a big kaiju friend to children everywhere energy. <laughs> and just, like, also, he's just, like, a very nice dude. He has the best attitude about this. He's like, I'm going to do my best. Like, I'm, go- I'm going there to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a whole saga of like he temporarily lost the bolero and refound it. That's just been delightful to watch from the sidelines. Once I learned what the song was about, I'm like, wow, the onstage performance at UMK was is doing a really good job of sort of communicating some of that energy mm-hmm, while mm-hmm. also being completely unfinished. To bring it back to Constracta for a moment, the same way that Constracta did a beautiful job of conveying the meaning of that song while it was entirely in Serbian. I just think it's neat. Yeah. <laughs> it is just, just like picture of Marge Simpson holding up a potato but I've crudely photoshopped Karia on top of the potato I just think he's neat yeah. <laughs> I think both of you hit on just about all of the points that I have even the Rammstein point I was like oh cool mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, got, I got the reference right yeah, but, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect example of how staging can elevate a track. When I first mm-hmm. listened to the track, it didn't really catch my ear at the time. But yeah, seeing that performance and the incredible storytelling of like the amount of storytelling, but like the fact that there is conflict and resolution within mm. this three minute set, it's the sort of staging like a movie would have difficulty conveying the sort of emotions, <laughs> the anxieties, everything that is going on in all of those interactions. Like perception is being captured in this performance, like how he's perceiving the dancers. Are they a threat? Are they friends? Are they foes? I'm just amazed at how they were able to pull that off with something that mm-hmm. like on its face looks incredibly silly. And it's just like, wow, like it's so amazing, just so unexpected because they could have just stuck with the boxing ring motif and left it at that in the staging. And I think it still would have been fine. I think the crowd was going for it no matter what, just by how dominant the televote was. But adding in those dancers and that pop of color, like that pink with that green is just so eye-catching and so marvelous. I won't be making the trip to Liverpool this year, but I will be having a Eurovision party and know some of the people who were probably going to attend. They are already planning their Korea-inspired costumes. So... (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, man. One thing I forgot to note, I was listening to this coming home from a live event just and like stuck on the green line, listened to this a bunch, and then walking home it just came up again i managed to give myself the adult zoomies in my apartment (laughs) like like this is beautiful walk-up music for any event i just want to like smash through the wall like the kool-aid man yeah (laughs) it absolutely is i mean your point about hatari and other comparison points that can be made it is in many ways a ridiculously perfect fusion of a lot of different strands in eurovision over recent mm-hmm. years in one place at one spot the art goth wing you know and all that we mentioned constructa we mentioned atari the entry from ukraine whose name I forget who was the one before last year's winner the mm. one that was that very uh-huh. thing, you know you can <laughs> You can throw this on a playlist with that, and it works. At the same time, this plays even better in the wake of Mana Skin. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. what this does. Yes. It's that same sort of vibe. It's like, you know, hi, I'm sexy as hell, and I'm half naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, which is, which is exactly how Mana Skin is working. You have that vibe. Someone like Achille Laro or someone like that. You know, that sort of, like, vibe bringing you bring in that energy, too. But there was a point you made, Ben, about how kids really like, and that's only realized what he really is. Do you know what he is because this is the same kid friend level same sort of monster hit song little nas x my friends oh there is some real little nas x yeah that's what's happening it is a monster across the board hit and the kids love it because his energy is so nice it's so there it's so present so nice yeah i said kaiju energy before but also real big 90s saturday morning cartoon energy right Right. And he brings it to the kids and works with kids. Famously, the same way little Nas X does and all that. He rides that incredibly well. So I have to thank you, Ben, for unlocking that key. It's like, that's it. That's <laughs> but, what's also going on here. That's what's yeah. going on really good. And in the same way that little Nas X, you know, boom out of the gate, that's really what we've got going here. That mm-hmm. really is what I think is happening. Well, and I like the call out that this is just kind of a big dumb song because I'm ready for us to just have like a big dumb song when you're a vision. We've had some very lovely, earnest things mm-hmm. that have had a lot of personal meeting and that's cool i've enjoyed those but also what if we let like a big dumb song win right when i first appeared on the show back in with you guys not, not eurovision itself imagine if but i first heard when i first were on euro what uh three years ago um the pandemic had just hit and everything shut down and we were all talking about eh, next year will probably be sort of like you know something you know maybe sort of you know quieter and weeple went <laughs> was maniskin so we were wrong but we were thinking about that but yeah it's that same sort of thing it's like you know the clock will turn back i think the clock has turned back again maniskin already did it to a degree mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. even more so because the maniskin was more like okay force of performance but this one everybody can sing along with it <laughs> that's the key thing mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. can sing along with it that's uh, that's that's the trick that's what's happening yeah like i i do like that the chorus is very sing-alongable because i have been dabbling with duolingo finnish and oh boy if you look at the tree that that all of languages are on mm-hmm. so you can see what things are branching other uh finnish is part of the bush next to the tree yes yeah <laughs> i'm gonna wear my other podcast hat here but there's a reason why tolkien was so fascinated yes. by that language <laughs> and why he had to had that be high elvish to essentially derive from the finnish rules precisely because it is so like you know what if something that is theoretically communicable but is in its own universe that's exactly what's happening here it's like what if we only had vowels how would that work yeah (laughs) between that oh boy polynesian man (laughs) 
Dad, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Like, hey. when the, the running order came out so early, it feels yeah, like. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, maybe we should readjust it. But it's just like, I did not want to deprive you of the opportunity of talking about Finland because I knew thank how you excited you were. from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> thank you so much. I deeply appreciate that. <laughs> When I first shared the video almost immediately when I posted all that, a friend of mine from Finland, I'm, I'm going to apologize if I'm getting, pronouncing his name wrong. He's a musician about my age. He's played more psych underground bands over the years, but he's watching. His name Yusi Ristikarto. I hope I have that right. And he posted this literally like hours after it had won. As a Finn, I can partly understand the hype over here as the song is a bona fide lowbrow, monobrow? Party anthem with lyrics about clubbing, drinking, and the usual carnivalistic themes for the masses. What baffles me, though, is the international momentum. I wouldn't place any bets on him to do well in the finals, but it seems like the Eurovision people know better. There's obviously more intelligence behind the concept than initially meets the eye. Completely correct. (laughs) He called it. (laughs) He got it right from the horse's mouth from a fin. There you go. Are there any other entries this year that are rising up to the level of Finland or trying to for you? As mentioned, Croatia was making me go like, cool, you know, I'm enjoying that. And I certainly hope they do well. I want to see them go through the final for sure. And I'd like to see what they do for staging. It's nice to have Lorene back. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, I, I just don't think it's not euphoria. I'm sorry. So and I'm glad because I don't want her to win this time. Nothing against her, but she's already won with a far better song. Mm-hmm. Across the Gulf of Bothnia, someone else is going to win. I'm sorry. You know, and all that. It would be wrong if there's. Im- you imagine if the new alliances all completely fell out because Sweden somehow won for them. No! Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> this breaks NATO. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In terms of any other ones that sort of stands out, those, I mean, again, they're all from first half. I'm trying to remember, like, there were a couple of ones that sort of like, you know, I was amused by Malta's non-epic sax guy energy, which is exactly what that is. I'm amused by the French entry because it's one of the most classically very French entries. And uh, when you have a lyric that translates in as in my hell garden, I'm like going, okay, all right, yeah, you bring it on. The Germans flummoxed me, and then I was sort of like, okay, all right. Again, if it wasn't for Karaya, I might put some money on you, because this is actually incredibly entertaining. Well done. You know, we need we actually need some proper camp. Not like the goofy indie rock camp of the EDC of last year, or whatever that was. That was terrible. Germany has had some botched entries in recent years. This one I can get behind. I hope it does well enough. I mean, it's obviously going to be in the final, so duh. Italy's nice. England, eh. The Spanish entry is interesting enough. It's subtler, but I can see it doing pretty well. Um, beyond that, uh, there was a whole lot of, uh, you know, God, this, what's with the Swiss? I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, they've, they, they're just like, they, something's up with them. Something's up with them. And there were far too many sad boy entries in general this year. I mean, a lot of it is just, there is so much grist. I'm very not happy with that is the best way to put it. So there's a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to not seeing after the semifinals might be the better way to put it. So, mm. um, but, uh, there are some clear standouts. I'm looking for that pool to be in there. It'll be interesting to see final placement. But it's it's for all for the big bucks, and you know where I stand. <laughs> so yes. there we are. No, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, is there anything that you'd like to point our listeners to? Yes, indeed. As mentioned earlier, still a music critic after all these years, still writing and publishing away. Not really as much on Twitter anymore, for obvious reasons, but you can find me elsewhere. There is Facebook. I am, however, on Mastodon. Uh, I am reasonably easy to find because, again, relatively unique name. If you go to my Twitter page, you will find the link to my Mastodon page from there. Follow me there if you like. Please do. I would appreciate it. Still writing for various places, including The Quietest, Bandcamp, and in more recent years, Shuffle. I've been doing a lot of writing for them. That's S-H-F-L. And then, of course, there is my own podcast that I do, uh, which is not about music. It's about Tolkien, By the Bywater, continuing on with my co-hosts, Jared and Oriana. And in about a month's time from today, it will be Saturday, April 22nd in the evening in Portland, Oregon, will be our first live episode which is our 50th episode. It will be part of a event for the Megaphonic Podcast Network, which I'm on. It will be held at Passages Bookstore. All are welcome. It is free if you can make it. If you happen to be in the Portland area or thereabouts, please do show up. And otherwise, just look for By the Bywater, which is the name of our Tolkien podcast, uh, at Megaphonic, and follow us and listen to us as you choose. We publish once a month, and we have been having fun, and we still will. We aim to do that for the future. And that's all for me for now. Excellent. Congratulations on the milestone. We will have links to all of that in our show notes. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can find our show notes, our socials, and all the info you need about Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. 
If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content from the Eurowhat AV Club, head on over to patreon.com slash Eurowhat. Next time on the Eurowhat, we finish up our coverage of semifinal one with our special guest, Allegra Cooney. 